worship team, amazing as always. Um, how are you guys doing tonight? We doing good? Mostly? Wow, you guys are really flat. What is <laughs> um, the, um, the series on joy continues. Um, the good news, okay, um, is that I was wondering um, how much to preach on. I had like a couple of pages, and then I prayed some more, and then I ended up with like nine pages, which is about 50% more than I normally have. And Okay, so I took half and put it into another sermon, and this is the joy of a series, isn't it? You know, we're just going to keep moving things, and we're going to keep delving into this. Um, so uh, next week, Tyler's going to be preaching on the joy of worship and what, what it looks like to encounter joy in worship and the, the authenticity of that, which I'm really excited about. Um, we are still going to talk about the call to joy in the church, what Scripture says about it. We're still going to talk about suffering and joy. Maybe the most important one. Um, and and I'm, 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 I'm really excited for that. Um, also, really, you know, we're going to talk about, as I've said, we're going to talk about the, um, the killers of joy. Okay, joy's enemies. Um, and some of those are obvious. Some of them might surprise us. Um, and, you know, we, and then I also want an intercession. So there's, there's lots to come still, people. Okay. And that depends on whether sermons keep getting split in two. There may be more. But who knew? There's a lot in Scripture. So, <laughs> so tonight I'm talking about Jesus' joy. Um, and it started as a sermon on God's joy, and that just got, that just got huge. And that's kind of a portion that I, and the church's joy, and that's kind of what I've put into a different sermon. Um, and I, I, I just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about a few scriptures. We're going to talk a little bit about what the Bible says about God's joy. But then I really, I want us to focus in on just really one, one scripture. Um, where Jesus is truly joyful. Hey, Larry. It's good to see you, sir. Um, on that note, um, where's Trevor? Where's he sitting? Uh, Trevor's getting snacks at the back. Really good to have Trevor back in the house, people. Woo! You're visiting us. Um, gosh. And of course, he comes back and he serves by being on drums, doesn't he? So that, um, that's Trevor. <laughs> it's really good to have him back. Um, I can't remember if I promised you I wouldn't say anything or if I, if I didn't actually ever say I would or wouldn't about your graduation. No. It was a sign. So, so Joe, Joe, will you stand up quickly, Joe? And just come to the front. Okay. Kiss. <laughs> so, you know, obviously, graduation party, a lot of you have seen him since he was like this big, hey? and I look at him. Nice, huge. Uh, and getting bigger, um, but I, I didn't, I didn't. Uh, I know he is taller than me. Yeah. At least he doesn't have his shoes on, so it's a little better. Um, but I, I wanted to, you know, some of you, you know, close to us as a family, you know that Joe went through a really tough um, junior year, especially. Um, a lot of you were praying for him, um, and yeah, we really, we really saw family come together in that. Um, but I just, I wanted to honour you in front of your church family. Okay, um, because you got through, you graduated, you, you did really well in the end. But the most important thing besides me wanting you to get A's, obviously, um, is that there were, there were weeks and there were months where Joe was saying, I don't know why I'm feeling what I'm feeling. I don't know why I'm struggling. Where is God? 
where is God, where is God? You know, and questions a lot of us have asked, some of us ask in our teens, some of us ask in our 30s or 40s or 50s, you know. Um, and, I, and I just wanted to honor you for the fact that you, 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 you stuck with what you knew to be true. And your heart was towards God even when you didn't know why or what. I'm proud of you. Okay. All right. So, and I'm pretty sure that brought Jesus joy, Joe. So, right. So, <laughs> gosh. Okay, if you, if you look at Scripture, and Bill will correct me if I get things wrong. Okay. There's actually not that many Scriptures that deal with God's joy. Okay, um, and um, there's one that I'll probably bring up later in Deuteronomy, which is just hilarious, which you think, okay, I'm not sure that Moses understands joy in the way that we do. Um, I'll come back to that one. Um, but there's, there's, there are not a lot of, of clear scriptures which actually say the father was joyful, or the father did this or that in joy. There's just, there's just not a lot. Okay, um, and I'm, I'm going to come back to some of this um, in later sermons, but there are there are two things that we clearly see in Scripture, okay? Um, and these, as we kind of infer joy, okay, about God. The first is, Scripture is absolutely, entirely full of people encountering God and responding in joy. Okay, the Psalms, obviously, are, are full of joy. There's something about people encountering God, you know, sometimes we'll see awe, sometimes we'll see fear. But one of the things that we see um, so often is joy. There's something about God's presence that just produces joy in us, okay? Um, we know that the fruit of the Spirit is joy. One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. As Matt says, one of, the, one of the three words that describe the kingdom of God is joy. There is something about God's presence that exudes joy and causes joy to rise up, okay? It's just, it's, there, it's interesting that then we don't have a lot of scriptures that say God was joyful when he did this or that, okay? Um, one of the other things that we see in Scripture um, is that creation speaks to God's joy. And again, there's a lot in the Psalms, um, and it can come in different ways. There are two examples. Psalm 65, um, verse 13, the meadows are closed with flocks of sheep, and the valleys are carpeted with grain. They all shout and sing for joy. This abundance of provision, singing for joy. In Psalm 98, this is linked to God's judgment and, and justice. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the earth and all things join in. Let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills sing out their songs of joy before the Lord. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with fairness. So, and there's, there's another 15. You know, if I wasn't worried about time, I'd read more um, Psalms where, where, where creation is responding to God. And obviously, creation is God, so it, it, it reflects back on its creator. And so we see joy reflected in creation. Um, and then you know, there, there are a few scriptures that talk about God's heart of joy. Um, again, I want to focus on Jesus tonight. So the, the most... Maybe the most um, powerful, the most beautiful is from Zephaniah. Um, and particularly because in Zephaniah, God is talking to rebellious people, okay, to people that he's been disciplining. And Zephaniah writes this, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. 
Some translations have, he will dance over you with joyful songs. It's like this double joy that he's both singing and dancing, rejoicing and singing these joyful songs. Um, and that is to a rebellious people. Um, and it, that scripture for me really shows like, the love of God's heart towards us. Even if we have one or two scriptures, they are so beautiful. Um, when we get to the New Testament, there are two really clear examples which talk about Jesus and joy. Okay, the first is about the joy set before him, um, about the cross. I'm going to talk about that when we look at suffering. Okay, it's a really important scripture for, for thinking about joy and suffering. Um, there are, I'll come to the second one later, the one I want to focus on. But there's obviously, there's obviously places that we can infer that Jesus is joyful, like with a lot of confidence. I think it would be really uh, sort of inhuman to raise someone from the dead who's a close friend of yours and not experience joy. I think we would presume Jesus was joyful when Lazarus is raised from the dead. Um, It's one of the things I love, uh, I've said this before, I love about the Chosen series is that Jesus is shown with so much joy. Um, And I I think that's something that I see uh, over and over again in Scripture, that we just presume Jesus, whatever he asked for, he would always get because he knew what the Father was doing. We have this understanding. He's always obedient. But I, I wonder sometimes whether he was, you know, he was seeing if this was actually going to work. You know, when he turns water into wine. Um, and I love it in The Chosen where he, you know, he smiles. And it, it, it worked. The Father responded to his prayers. Um, you know, as Matt likes to say, you know, no doubt when Jesus turned water into wine, he was expecting a party. You know, he's expecting the wedding to carry on. You know, hopefully a joyful occasion. This is something that he was encouraging. Um, scripture also says that people were probably already drunk, so that was kind of weird um, that he gave them more wine. But I won't go into the theology of, of alcohol just yet. Um, so, <laughs> so um, you know, would we presume that he is happy when lepers are cleansed? Would we presume that he is happy when the sick are healed? Like, how many of us have seen God move and not been happy, not celebrated in the move of the Spirit? So, you know, so I, I think we can infer with a lot of confidence that Jesus is happy a lot of the time as he sees the Father move. Okay, that there's joy as he sees the Father move. One of the most um, obvious Old Testament examples, speaking about the Messiah, Psalm 45. And David writes, Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. Let me find the right page here. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. It's this promise of the Messiah that he would have more of this oil, this oil of joy, this joy of the Lord than anyone else. And then there's a few more. And again, I'm going through these quickly because these are stories that we know well, okay? Um, we have the story of the talents. Now, where, the, where the master goes away and gives his servants, three servants, talents, and he asks them, he basically gives them to them, um, and then he goes away. And when he comes back, and we know the story, two are successful, two have invested, two have made money, one has been fearful and hidden the coin or the talent in the ground and hasn't even earned interest. And there's a really interesting way that Jesus finishes this parable when he doesn't say, you know, the master says to these servants who have been faithful, he doesn't say, well, come in, you know, and enter my palace or come in and enter my service or be with me forever. He says, come and enter into my joy. 
Come and enter into my joy. It's, it's my joy for you to be with me. And then we have the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. And I think Kath touched on these maybe when she preached. In Luke 15, Jesus says, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Likewise, I say to you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And if there's joy in the presence of angels, I'm presuming that joy is coming from the Father and coming from Jesus, that they are experiencing his joy as he celebrates. And then, of course, we have the prodigal son. In Luke 15, verse 32, the father says to his oldest son, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So we see in these parables, this, there's this, this is clear indication that Jesus is joyful when sinners turn to him, when sinners are restored, when there's repentance. And how many of us, when we, um, when we repent, you know, we go down the shame route or the condemnation route, you know, trying to make ourselves earn God's forgiveness, and we lose sight of the fact that this is something that he really rejoices in. This is something that brings him joy. He's not reluctant. The most common statements we see about Jesus' joy are around people repenting. Like, he loves to give us his forgiveness. Joel, welcome. It's like the Sunday of latecomers, but such good people. So welcome. Um, finally, let's turn, to, uh, let's turn to Luke 10. Okay, this is where I wanted to, I wanted to focus. This is the most explicit example in Scripture of Jesus being full of joy. Direct and explicit. I'm going to read it in two different sections. So let's start with Luke 10, 8 and 9. Jesus says to, this is when he's sending out um, the 70, 72, 70. He says to him, whatever, whatever city you enter, and they receive you, each such, each such things as are set before you and heal the sick there and say to them the kingdom of God has come near to you that's how easy evangelism is people okay <laughs> we know from Jesus' last conversation with his disciples before he ascends to heaven that his disciples don't really understand what the kingdom is it takes Pentecost for them to truly understand so appreciate when Jesus is telling them to do this, they probably don't know what he's talking about. All right? So the one thing he tells them that's easy is heal the sick. And then once you've done that, tell the people that the kingdom is, is near or the kingdom is at hand. Pretty basic instructions. There's some other things about, you know, not taking food and bags and things. But it's pretty basic. Um... And again, this is, this is me trying to, just playing with the scripture and wondering, wondering what, what was Jesus expecting to happen? Like, did he absolutely know for certain that this was going to work? And normally I would say absolutely yes, obviously he's Jesus, he knows what's going to happen. Um, but it's this response that just makes me ask that question. Um, and I think he did, I think he was obviously optimistic. But bear in mind what's happening here. Like he's sending out 
not just the disciples that he's worked with closely, but this larger group. We don't know how close he is to them, how much impact he's had on them. And he's sending them out without himself. So besides the disciples, this is the first time we know in Scripture that Jesus is sending people out to do something that's absolutely humanly impossible. And so the only way that this can work is if the Holy Spirit will move through these men and women. And, this, and, and, and Jesus is asking the Holy Spirit to move through them before he has died and resurrected and before the Holy Spirit has filled them. So this just seems like quite an astounding gamble. Or well, it's a surprise move. It's something, but it's big. Okay? This is pre-Jesus' death. And most importantly, he's not with them. So we get to Luke 10, 17. I'm going to read 17 to 24. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. I know this is scripture that we have read so many times. We've heard it so many times. Um, and then the more I read it, the more I was struck by how much Jesus packs in to this response. So he could have said, cool, it worked. Because let's be honest, when, he, when, he, when Lazarus is raised from the dead, Jesus, what does Jesus say? Untie him. Take off his grave clothes. There's no mention of joy. There's no mention of celebration, you know. <laughs> in this moment, Jesus packs in so many things. And I, I want us to see this, okay. But the first thing, um, and Brian's not here. I was going to get Brian to demonstrate because that just seems like it would have suited him. But um, so the scripture um, in verse 21, it says, In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. Okay, so I, I'm, a, I'm a really good South African Englishman, and that's how you're supposed to read Scripture. Okay? You maybe will emphasize rejoice with the way you say it. Jesus rejoiced. I don't know. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Okay? But if we actually, if we look at that word, that word that, um, that is used in Scripture, I've got to take this off just for now. But basically, it's saying, it's like this. It's exuberant, jumping up and down. It's celebrating. It's rejoicing. He's done it. <laughs> He's done it. It's exuberance that they come back to him. And he's rejoicing. 
He's rejoicing. And he's saying, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Before my resurrection, I've seen the Spirit. I've seen the Spirit of God. I've seen the Spirit who's in me, that's been with me for eternity, go with these men and women. And I've seen them heal the sick. And this is beautiful because all that Jesus will have seen besides a few prophets here and there throughout all of humanity is that humanity has partnered with sin and with brokenness and with the, de- and with the devil, basically, and has participated in sin. And now in this moment, it's not just his disciples, but it's this group that are participating in heaven. And they're going out with his spirit and they are healing people and they're able to say the kingdom has come. And it's not just the prophets. It's you guys. And it's me. It's the normal people. And that's huge. The enemy is broken. And, like, and that would be enough, wouldn't it? That would be enough. Satan has fallen light lightning from heaven. The kingdom has come. But then he unpacks all these other things. <laughs> he says, the thing that he rejoices first, and we have to get this, this is so important. The thing that comes out of his mouth first, with this rejoicing spirit... I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. That was one of the most beautiful scriptures, I, th- I, th- I think, in the New Testament. That Jesus in his ministry is arguing and contesting with the, with the Pharisees and with the scribes, with the religious leaders, with the intelligent people. And now that the Father has poured out his kingdom again, it's not on kings and it's not on the religious leaders. It's on the men and women that have been around him. It's on the everyday people. And again, this, I have this, this kind of strange question that surely this was the plan all along, but Jesus is rejoicing in this. Like, did they discuss this before he came to earth, but he, he doesn't remember any of that, and now it's coming true? I don't know. But he's rejoicing in this. Like, the plan, it's, 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 it's unfolding, and it's for Everyone. And maybe, you know, I, I, I love insulting intelligent people, being a university professor. And there's a couple of us in the room with PhDs, and lots of us have been to college, and many of us are just intelligent naturally, obviously, without PhDs. Hey, Matt. And, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but <laughs> the, the, what we have to get you, it doesn't take intelligence to get the kingdom of God. And, and maybe, maybe, is actually harmful if you think you can study your way into God's truth and into his presence and into his favor. Now, this has been revealed to babes. What do babes offer? Have you seen the children running around this church? <laughs> Have you seen them in pre-service prayers? They're really good at pushing buttons on noisy toys, okay? But babes, like what do babes do? It's chaos, basically, isn't it? Yeah, it is chaos. And it's like, he's, he's saying, like, my expectations for you are pretty low. Like, it's revealed to babes. You know, and maybe, maybe we, can, we, we, can, we can feel a little bit better about ourselves if we, if we think about what Jesus said about the, the, the kingdom belonging to children. Okay, and we have to be like children. Sorry, I keep filling with my ears. my own fault, because I took the clip home last week, and so I'm suffering. Um, sorry. Can you stand by me and just hold it? <laughs> the, the, the kingdom is given to babes, and it's given to children. Yeah, you don't have to get a PhD in theology. 
You don't have to be a priest. We have no idea what these 70 did in their lives, except we know that they were lovers of Jesus, and Jesus calls them babes. And that should really excite us, because it excited him exuberantly. So we see Satan fall. We see that we are babes. But there's even more that he unpacks here. That Jesus says, all things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. And there's a lot of different ways that, you know, looking at Bible commentaries, ways that this can be translated, but what I I really felt um, the Lord wanted to emphasize, the Father has given, and Jesus obviously is in relationship with the Father, and he has the Spirit of God, but now the Father has given him all things, and he has been given the right to see the Spirit go and to see the kingdom of God move through people, and then there's this, and this, does it make sense to you in everything that has happened that he then talks about his ability to reveal the Father? Like, no one's had a revelation of the Father. No one's been into heaven and seen the Father sitting on their throne. Right? There's nothing explicit like that. But there's something about the kingdom coming, about the, the, the sick being healed that the disciples experience, about Satan being cast down, that is a revelation of the Father. That Jesus rejoices in that as the kingdom is preached and as the sick are healed, the Father is revealed through the Son. And that's something for us to rejoice in. And the final thing that he talks about, or that I want to talk about, he says beforehand, is he says, don't celebrate that the demons obey you, but that your names are written in heaven. And again, this is, this is an interesting thing. I don't want to unpack it a lot. But just to, just to say um, that, I, I, that <laughs> part of Jesus' rejoicing is that this is the surest sign that the Spirit is moving with people, that people are part of the kingdom, and that men and women now are able to access heaven again. As Jesus looks at this whole plan, this, this plan for him to come and to die and to rise again and to see man restored to God here in the sending out and in the kingdom coming, Jesus sees this promise. And it causes him to rejoice. Because the plan of the gospel is actually working. Jesus rejoices in the power of the darkness. He rejoices in the kingdom coming. He rejoices in the eternal life, which is promised to us. He rejoices in the revelation of the Father to babes. Um, and I, I had, um, I was saying to Matt before the service, um, Matt also said he's been having a funky couple of days. Um, we're not, you know, we're not surprised if we preach on something and then we might feel the opposite while we, 
you know, preaching in a series that quite often works, spiritual warfare works in that way, that we might get a lot of depression or something coming against us, things like that when we're preaching or something like joy. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I've, I've, I've felt um, often when, when, I was, when I was reading the scripture and asking the Holy Spirit, what are you wanting me to say? I found myself weeping a lot. Um, and I kept thinking, well, that's not right. <laughs> this is a sermon on joy. So, you know, let's keep the weeping for the sorrow and joy sermon. Um, but I, I, do think, I do think a part of it, a part of it was... Um, I do think a part of it was a, was, a, was a kind of holy morning. Not that I was being holy, but the Holy Spirit was just bringing this up in my, in my spirit. Um, and, ma- and maybe... Um, Matt and I are going to pray at the end, and maybe this, maybe this will resonate with you. Maybe it won't. But um, I, I, I sense this, this strange sort of sense of loss, that this beautiful thing that had caused Jesus to rejoice in so exuberantly, that I'd, 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 to some degree I'd lost... I'd lost sense, I'd lost touch with just how beautiful and powerful it is. And how important it was to Jesus. And I didn't, you know, this wasn't shame or condemnation, it was just a sense of, of, of mourning, of something missed, or so, something that I've taken my eyes off. And the, the other thing, um, <laughs> and this was, this is a small thing, but I just, I wondered, I wondered if we would see more of the kingdom. And this is Kingdom Life Church, so we do want to see the kingdom, obviously. Otherwise, we have to change our name. Um, I wonder if we would see more of the kingdom if we actually just rejoiced a little bit more. And we celebrated it a little bit more. And we didn't make it too complicated. And we didn't try and think our way to the kingdom or make ourselves pure enough to get to the kingdom. And all the other things that we've talked about in our sin series. But if we just celebrated it, like Jesus did. Now, I know that we can be very reserved, sensible people, okay? And we'll talk about joy and expressions of joy over the next few weeks. Um, I I had a a funny moment with my freshman class um, last year. I'm going to pick a new Jana to this one. Um, But, you know, I I invite my freshmen to church, and normally, you know, I get a few coming, um, many of which, you know, stay. But I had one one student who came, and she grew up Presbyterian. She had never seen, I don't even think people raise their hands in church, and she loved our worship. It just kind of freaked her out. And I was speaking on descending of spirits, I think, that Sunday, so... That was always going to be a challenge as well. And then, Jaina, you ran up and down the aisle a few times during worship, <laughs> which was awesome. There was so much joy in you. Um, and she, she, my student said to me on Monday, she said, you know, Dr. KJ, your, your message was okay. It kind of freaked me out a little bit. But that lady ran up and down the aisle. <laughs> she, she really freaked me out. And so I was like, well, so what, what freaked you out? She like, no, she was, she was so happy and so full of delight. Um, and she's like, she didn't know what to do with it. You know, it was so strange um, that someone could experience joy and kind of be freaked out by it. But she recognized the joy. It was a beautiful thing. So keep doing that. You know, I, you know, I don't mind. Um, you know, um, you know m- maybe we, we should celebrate the kingdom of God more. Okay. Um, 
And like I said, we'll talk about that more. At the very least, at the very least, let's get excited about what made Jesus excited. Let's rejoice in what he rejoiced in. Okay, and, and you can go through your commentaries on New Testaments and, and correct me. Um, there's, again, lots of places we can infer that he is joyful. As far as I can tell, this is the only scripture where it is absolutely explicit that he rejoices, that he is full of joy, that it's exuberant. And that means something. Like, this stood out. This stood out to the disciples. The way that he celebrated. So let's delight in him. Let's delight in his kingdom. Let's delight in the fact that we get to have the Spirit of God moving through us and seeing His kingdom come. So let's pray. All right, Maddie? Let's pray together. Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you move. Move through this room now, Lord. Would you meet each one of your sons and daughters? Lord, you know where we are at. I know that there are people who are having real struggles. And we are going to talk about sorrow and joy. But for now, Lord, Lord, I ask that you would give us a revelation of your joy. Your joy at the sight of seeing your spirit move through your people. The joy that you have when your kingdom comes when darkness is defeated, and when sickness is healed. When the devil is defeated. Jesus, you are exuberant. Would you give us your exuberance? Would you give us that sense of celebration, Lord? A celebration that the plan that you would come and that you would die, that you would rise again, that your spirit would live in us, that your church would expand, that darkness would be defeated. This was joy for you, Jesus. It was joy for you that you would get to spend eternity with us. That the Father would write our names in heaven. Lord, forgive us for forever losing sight of the enormous, enormous gift that that is, the unspeakable prize that you have given us. Jesus, your delight, the Father giving you all things and giving you this authority and this right to reveal the Father to us. 
And I ask you to, Jesus, for more revelation. Father, you are not hidden. You are tangible. Would you give us more revelation, Jesus, of the Father? More revelation of you, Jesus. Jesus, would you give us a delight and a joy to speak of your gospel, to speak of your kingdom? Would you give us a delight to move in the power of your spirit, to be your emissaries, to be your ambassadors, to bring you joy as your kingdom comes? Jesus, we love you. We ask these things in your name. Amen.